the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Third hour, Jimmy Sangenberger in for Stefan Tubbs. News Talk 710 KNUS. Ending the day today and then starting the day dark and early tomorrow. I'm going to be leaving here in the darkness and I'm going to be getting here in the darkness. When the Jimmy Sangenberger show comes about from 6 to 9 tomorrow morning. Possibly around the bottom of this hour, former President Donald Trump is expected to make an announcement about the Department of Justice investigation. I think we'll be able to carry that live if it happens while we are still on the air. It'll be interesting to see what he has to say just a few days after his announcement that he is running for president of the United States. Once again, I'm Jimmy Sangenberger in for Stefan Tubbs here on Denver's Local Talk Leader News Talk 710 KNUS. And I write and speak a lot about education issues. I ran for seven years an educational nonprofit that was called Liberty Day Institute, which helped teach kids, particularly fifth graders, about the U.S. Constitution and American government. We were in public schools, charters, and private schools in Colorado and across the country. I loved speaking to fifth grade classes, and I did many dozens of presentations over the years. So I have a very soft spot for social studies in schools, whether that is American history, American government or ancient history, world history, whatever. The social studies has always been a passion of mine. I did a lot of advanced placement classes way back when I was in high school. And I did what I could to help educate young kids about America's government and what it means to be an American. Unfortunately, it looks like the Colorado State Social Studies Standards have gone awry. Earlier this year, there was a lot of discussion. I know I did it. I wrote a column I talked about on the radio about the reevaluation by the State Board of Education of the Social Studies Standards. And there were a lot of parents that testified, that spoke out, that sent in written testimony expressing their concerns about some of the content in Social Studies Standards for the state of Colorado. Well, we have the standards finalized now. And there are some concerning issues that continue. What's going on here? What do you need to know, especially if you are indeed a parent or a grandparent? Pam Benigno, for the last 25 years, has served as director of the Education Policy Center at the Independence Institute. And she joins me now. Good evening, Pam. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Jimmy, how are you tonight? You know, I'm doing pretty well. Anytime I'm on the air, I'm feeling pretty darn good. And I'm glad to have you with us, especially on this important topic. You've been following the issue of the state social studies standards revisions from the outset. Uh, 
where do we even start here? Because it, it it's one of those things where we're seeing such divides over how things are taught, what things are taught in schools. And it's just not looking very good right now with the new standards, I think. Well, yeah, it's been a year-long process as far as the the revisions being um, released so that the public could um, provide comment and so that State Board of Education members could also make comments. And I think it's important for everybody to understand that there were five pieces of legislation in the last few years that impacted the standards. And so that's what's caused some of the controversy. For instance, House Bill 1192 is one of those where uh, the um, contributions of the LGBTQ community has was introduced into the standards along with ethnic minorities, which have been included in the standards for, for decades. Uh, so that it became a very sensitive sensitive topic among families, pro and con on that topic. Yeah, I can completely understand, especially when we're talking about elementary age kids being introduced to some of these concepts, such as the LGBTQ lessons and so forth. And there was a lot of discussion about those being incorporated and what age they actually started at. And it seemed like there was a compromise that the State Board of Education was going to make it so it was fourth grade and up that you would start talking about some of those issues as opposed to going down to, say, kindergarten in the state standards. But it sounds like that isn't the case, that they decided to go in a different direction, Pam. Well, there, excuse me, after public comment, there's uh, the, the uh, revision committee, the social studies committee that came up with the original changes. They took that public feedback and they took the comments from state board members and they went in and they made modifications to the, to the version. And so the version that was released last spring didn't include the term LGBTQ in any grade levels lower than fourth grade. So at that time, it was not action of the state board, but action of the, of the uh, standards review committee. And then the, you know, on both sides, it became very divisive. And uh, this LGBTQ committee uh, community was very upset and, um, you know, felt like they were being erased from the standards. And uh, in the final version last week um, that the state board voted on, LGBTQ individuals was actually put in starting at the preschool level. And, and this happened through amendments of, um, with, of some of the Democrat, legisla- uh, not legislators, but state board members. And so then since the Democrats control the state board and the Republicans were voting against those amendments, but, but the Democrats won on that one. And so now LGBTQ discussions can start at the level of preschool. Do you know in social studies in social, right, it, in social yeah. studies to be clear uh Pam Benini our guest from the Independence Institute do you have any indication as to in what ways LGBTQ concepts may be incorporated into any of those levels or is it sort of open ended and just about contributions of of individuals who fit within that community like what are we actually looking at here 
Well, House Bill 1192 actually talked about the sectionality, the intersectionality of the LGBTQ community with other minorities. So, for instance, uh, uh, they may focus on, so, you know, here's a Hispanic woman and she's a lesbian. So that would be somebody we can talk about to meet the state standards. Um, uh, what's happening in classrooms already, and I've seen evidence of it myself, is that even as young as kindergarten, picture books, various kinds of books are being read to students about these particular, you know, issues. And, and so parents are learning about that and they're concerned. There's some parents that want that. Uh, it really comes down to something so sensitive is it the right of a parent to say, you know, to push back and say, no, I don't want my child to be exposed yet to these topics. It involves sexuality, you know, um, gender identity, sexual orientation. And when I know that my child is mature enough to talk about those issues, then I, as a parent, will have that conversation first. It's not the job of the school. But evidently, the state believes that uh, our state legislature and uh, state board members that voted in favor of the amendments believe otherwise. To, to me, Pam Benigno, this really underscores something. And you mentioned this in your op-ed for Colorado Politics that was out today entitled Social Studies Standards Warrant Review by Parents. This underscores the importance of curriculum transparency so that parents can know what their kids at any age, any grade level are actually learning in part so the parents can be prepared and also so the parents are just in general able to be aware of it. And maybe they might want to pull their kid out because of a certain topic of the day or something like that. And yet, as we've talked about on my show at length before, it can be like pulling teeth even worse to get any access to some elements of curriculum because you don't have those transparency requirements at the K through 12 education level. We have a paper that we published this year called curriculum transparency, a must for effective parent and teacher partnerships. And that's critical that parents can trust what's being taught in their um, child's classroom, but it's becoming more and more difficult because a lot of resources are hidden behind internet portals or teachers pulled something from the internet and then and then they'll say to the parent and I hear this you know from parents and you've talked to parents about this too on your show uh, well we're sorry we can't we can't get that <laughs> um, we can't we can't show you that uh, and uh, even some things that are just on paper some districts some some um, classrooms make it Classroom teachers make it more difficult for parents to see. It's really changed from when my kids, who are in their 30s now, you know, where you could go in and see the textbooks. It was easy. Yeah, it, they and they've made it much more difficult in many respects. And you have proposed in your paper on curriculum transparency for the Independence Institute, different legal fixes and things that school districts can do as far as policies and basically um, different aspects of of ensuring curriculum transparency that parents can advocate for. One crucial thing is making sure that parents have their rights 
to make to to provide a quality education for their own kids intact. Parental rights are so crucial. And before we wrap up here, I, I want to ask you, Pam Benigno, to just talk for a moment about the role of the parent's voice. I know you and I on su- Sunday were both at the launch event of the Colorado Parents uh, Parent Advocacy Network, which is a new parents education organization uh, doing, I, I think, really good work at unifying parents across the state, sharing uh, best practices, so on and so forth. And I think it, it is really something else to get to a point in our state of affairs here in Colorado where we all have have no choice but to see parents stand up and start pushing back for their to to guarantee their rights in their kids education but talk about the the role of ensuring parental rights in education pam well parents to ensure those rights are going to have to take some steps and one thing is to learn the district what are your district policies on curriculum selection are you allowed to opt out of any of them and putting, you know, sex, comprehensive sex education aside because you can, you do have a legal right for that. But are there, are there other opportunities to opt out? And then parents need to be in the classroom. They need to ask the teachers to see things, to see what their children are being taught. They just need to be more involved. We're way past the time and we have been for a long time where parents can just send their kids off to school and, uh, and feel like you know, their their own values are going to be taught. So parents are going to have to exercise their rights through these types of steps. And uh, and 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 then if they have pushback, um, they can call people like me, <laughs> and I'll I'll help them out in that. For uh, sure. Th- to to that end, Pam Benigno of the Independence Institute, director of the Education Policy Center. There, where can folks go to access your paper, Curriculum Transparency: A Must for Effective Parent-Teacher Partnerships, and also to get in touch with you if they feel the need, as you just described. They can find the paper and how to contact me on the Independence Institute's website. A fun way to get there is just to go to thinkfreedom. dot org. Or you can go to independenceinstitute.org. Thinkfreedom.org. Nice and easy. Pam Benigno, uh, really appreciate your time today. We'll be digging in more to the social studies standards, so let's keep in touch on that. And I look forward to the next time we converse. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you. Once again, Pam Benigno, director of the Independence Institute's Education Policy Center, joining us. 25 years she has been... She has been heading up this policy center and doing great work for the Independence Institute. We're going to take a break right now because I do want to cue up what President Trump is expected to speak about. Former President Donald Trump going to be speaking, bottom of the hour is the estimated time, about new developments from the DOJ, specifically what Attorney General Merrick Garland has done. He has now appointed a special counsel to oversee the Justice Department investigation into former President Donald Trump. Another special counsel looking into Donald Trump. We'll get you up to speed on what's happening in that regard on the other side. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger in for Stefan Tubbs here on News Talk 710 KNUS. Oh, that voice. 
of the great late Aretha Franklin. May she rest in peace. And on the slide guitar doing this cover of the band's The Weight, none other than the incredible late great Dwayne Allman, who was a session musician back in the late 60s and early 70s. Good to be with you. Jimmy Sangenberger in for Stefan Tubbs here on News Talk 710-KNUS. Pleasure and a privilege to be with you this evening. Uh, We will get to the news here in just a moment coming out of the Department of Justice. But I want to give one more birthday shout out to Mr. Jim Blaine. Stefan put out a, a great tweet honoring the 98th birthday saying of, of Mr. Blaine, saying happy 98th birthday to an amazing patriot. So Mr. Blaine served in the United States Marine Corps in World War II. The battles that he fought in for our country included Iwo Jima. And there's an amazing picture of Stefan interviewing Blaine at, on Mount Suribachi in 2008. And I've retweeted it. I'm on Twitter at Sang Center. That's Sang with an E, not an A, Center on Twitter. And of course, Stefan Stubbs at Tubbs Show on Twitter. Really just amazing. Happy birthday, 98th birthday to Mr. Jim Blaine. Thank you for your service. From the Wall Street Journal, Attorney General Merrick Garland appointed a former federal and international war crimes prosecutor as special counsel on Friday to oversee Justice Department investigations into former President Donald Trump. Jack Smith, who once led the Justice Department unit that investigates public corruption and since 2018 was the chief prosecutor at The Hague investigating war crimes in Kosovo, will be the third special counsel in five years to examine issues involving Mr. Trump. I don't think current or former president has ever endured three special prosecutors of any kind. Now, this guy seems to know what he's doing, this Jack Smith, when you think about him having been at The Hague, investigating war crimes, having handled, overseeing uh, the Justice Department unit, investigating public corruption, On the surface, he's got those credentials. I don't know anything more about him than what has been reported in the press. But that at least gives a reputation of legitimacy. Maybe that's a good appointment if you're going to appoint a special counsel. The journal goes on. He, Jack Smith, will both lead the probe into the handling of classified documents at Mr. Trump's Mar-a-Lago Resort in Florida and oversee key aspects of the sprawling Justice Department investigation into efforts by Mr. Trump and his allies to overturn his 2020 election loss. Again, reading from the Wall Street Journal. Now, I have to say, text me, call me. We're going to get to Trump's speech when he makes an announcement regarding the DOJ investigation and these developments here any moment now. We'll carry that live. But 303-696-1971, I tend to think since Trump has now announced that he is running for president for a third term, that this is probably the right call on the part of Merrick Garland if the investigation is going to continue. 
I think it is necessary to have or the best practice to have somebody like this take take the reins in that regard. Donald Trump is speaking now. Let's go to the former president and take him live. 710 KNUS. We are working to pull up President Trump in his announcement, former President Donald Trump announcing a run for president on Tuesday. And three days later, after his Tuesday night announcement, the Department of Justice has made its... Here we go. When you say I'm the best leader you've ever met, ever seen, that's a pretty good statement because you've seen a lot of them. That's a beauty. But thank you very much to Brooke and the incredible speaking of leadership of uh, America First Policy Institute, because the job you've done is just incredible in such a short period of time, too. Let me also recognize so many wonderful friends and distinguished guests with us this evening, including Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith. Hi, Cindy, wherever you may be. A lot of people here. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you. So President Trump is at an event right now, and he's doing some introductions. We will carry him here in a moment once he gets to his announcement. Let me just clarify my point. If you're running for president of the United States and you're being investigated and the investigation is going to continue, it's probably a smart move to try and get somebody who is a special counsel as opposed to somebody who's working for the political appointees at the Justice Department to do that. The problem with a special counsel, though, is they can go on into perpetuity. They certainly do have wide latitude. So it's a mixed bag. Uh, But if he's going to continue this investigation since Trump decided to announce a run for president, if they're going to continue the investigation, it does seem to me to make a little bit of sense. To do that. Now, whether or not the investigation should be ongoing, that's a different story. That's a different discussion. But he is now running for president of the United States again. And, I mean, you, you the best practice for a Department of Justice is to try and minimize the perception of politics being in play for an investigation. And if it's just Merrick Garland... A Democrat appointee to, to, to be the attorney general who is making this these decisions and overseeing the investigation can raise some more questions about the investigation as it proceeds. Now, again, I'm saying that that is a separate topic from whether or not these investigations should continue. I, I don't. I don't know the extent to which these investigations should be going on. I, do I think that there are witch hunt components? Without a doubt. I mean, absolutely. But is there some merit? Is there something more? I mean, I don't know what is in those Mar-a-Lago documents and so forth. For all we know, there could be something there, but there could be something not there. I mean, I... I don't know that we have enough information to completely make that sort of a judgment. I don't want to trust Merrick Garland and and say, oh, well, Merrick Garland is the attorney general, so we should just believe what he says and just expect or accept that he's doing the right thing. I'm not saying that in any way, and we don't know that we can make that sort of trust, but these things can get complicated. And 
I, I mean, I, I do think that we we need to hear what Trump says. We need to see more about what's being presented in in this investigation. Um, but it, it, things are going to get more intense. And you know what? I don't think this special counsel would have been appointed yet if Trump hadn't announced on Tuesday that he's running for president. All right, was just talking with Leroy. I think we're going to take a break now so that since President Trump seems to be just making pleasantries and whatnot, uh, we'll take a break now so we can try and carry him uninterrupted when we come back on the other side. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger in for Stefan Tubbs. More on News Talk 710K NUS with former President Donald Trump's announcement. Jimmy Sangenberger in for Stefan Tubbs. We're going to take you to President Donald Trump, where he is in progress talking about the announcement of the appointment of a special counsel to oversee the handling of classified documents at Mar-a-Lago and the sprawling investigation dealing with 2020 into Trump. These people are corrupt, and yet they go after innocent people under the guise of legitimacy. Over the years, I've given millions and millions of pages of documents, tax returns and everything else. And they have found nothing, which means I've proven to be one of the most honest and innocent people ever in our country. Larry knows that. They got everything. Millions, think of it. Like I hear 11 million pages. I built a great company. Now they see how great it is now that they're looking at it. I built a great, great company. But think of it, millions of pages, they got nothing. So I've sort of had it. On January 6th, I've already tried, and and you take a look with the fake impeachment hoax, and I won. I was tried on the fake impeachment hoax on January 6th, and they tried it in the Senate. They went through the whole process, and we won. We went through the whole process, so wouldn't this sort of be a... uh... And then you take a look at the other. We went through two of them. And isn't this sort of like double jeopardy? In the old days, they used to call it double jeopardy. But essentially, uh, we've done so well, and we did well in a very hostile Congress. We had great Republican support. I have to tell you that it was great because they saw something was really unfair. We were being unfairly treated. I made a perfect phone call. In fact, many of the people in this room called. They said, that call is perfect. And some of the people in the room would not have actually gone with us. But that was an absolutely perfect phone call. I got impeached for a perfect phone call. Could you imagine if the call was actually a bad call? Could you imagine that? (laughs) And on the document hoax, this is a total hoax that's going on. The Presidential Records Act and the Clinton Sox case. You know what that is, right? That's a case that's so powerful in our favor make everything that I've done totally legal and proper. It's totally legal and proper. This is just a witch hunt for no reason. Well, for political reasons, let's say. And they know that. It shouldn't even be a case, but if it is, why aren't they investigating all of the other presidents that preceded me, including Bill Clinton, both Bushes, Obama, and of course, Hillary Clinton, 
where she illegally deleted 33,000 emails after getting a top-level subpoena from the U.S. Congress. So she's allowed to get a subpoena and delete 33,000 after the subpoena, not before, after. Why aren't they going after all of those presidents that kept documents where, in a couple of cases, in one case they had it in a Chinese restaurant with broken windows, in another case they had a Chinese restaurant connected to a bowling alley. This is where the documents were kept. They took documents with them. President Obama took documents. It is such a unfair situation that's happening in this country to Republicans and to conservatives. And you people have to fight. You have to fight to be strong. If they're going to investigate me, they have to investigate all of these other presidents, and they have to start it right now. Uh, they have to invade. This is Mar-a-Lago. They have to invade Hillary and Bill Clinton's beautiful home in Westchester. They have to invade the Bushes' home. They have to invade a lot of homes. But they didn't do that. And they took documents. They took a lot of things. And that's what we have the Presidential Records Act for. We're living in a very corrupt country right now. Never had anything like it. Our elections are rigged, tainted, and bad and take forever to get results longer than any other country on the planet. We have elections still out there, and they won't be in for weeks. Third world countries have All right, elections. We're listening to Don, you've been listening to former President Donald Trump. Uh, I don't think there's so much of an announcement as him reacting to this news of the appointment of a special prosecutor to look into the handling of documents at Mar-a-Lago, as well as the investigation and the efforts dealing with 2020 and the 2020 elections. Here's the thing, and we have a little bit of time, 303-696-1971. Look, I I understand that some of the motivations here, maybe the fact we don't know too many details, but there may be elements of witch hunt here. Um, certainly, there's political motivations. But let's cut to the chase about a couple of things and be real straight about it. Number one, this is not double jeopardy. He was talking about double jeopardy. Double jeopardy is being tried for the same crime twice. What is alleged here is different from anything that special prosecutors have looked into for Trump previously. Now, Trump announces on Tuesday night, three days later, special counsel appointed. There is a theory that Trump timed his announcement for this past Tuesday specifically because of the ongoing investigations and that it would put him in a position to cry foul about how he's treated. It would put him in a position to maybe have some sort of legal advantage a little bit because he can say, well, I'm running for president of the United States. What are you doing here legally? But on the other hand, there's also the argument of a distraction. There's a distraction here when we look ahead at the election cycle that we are now upon because he announced. When I was talking the other day about the distraction of Trump in 2020, we were just hearing him bring up 2020 again. And this will be that distraction. Herschel Walker is running for the United States Senate. A 50-50 split 
where we just need to peel off one Democrat to stop the bad stuff is on the line in Georgia. And Trump announces, and then this happens. Now, will this help him in the primary? It may help him in the primary because he's able to say, I'm a, I'm a victim of being mistreated by the Biden Department of Justice. And he can bang that drum and try and draw in some Republican support because of the rallying cries that we have seen work for him in the past. But in terms of helping other Republicans, in terms of setting up well for a general election, this is the distraction that we knew might happen. Would happen, quite frankly. I I am not going to tell anybody how to vote in the primaries. Support who you want to support. All power to everybody listening. But I do think this is an important thing to keep in mind is that we are going to face more of these distractions from his legal battles, etc. And it will drag down other Republicans. And looking ahead to 2024, etc., that makes this more of a challenge. 303-696-1971. If there's anything that uh, we hear that uh, requires us to pull former President Trump back on the air, we will do that. Otherwise, let's get to Doug in Frederick. Doug, you're on with Jimmy and for Stefan. Yeah, Jimmy. Uh, I uh, there's so much. There is so much that's gone on in the last six or seven years in this country. Yeah. I want to. I want to. Uh, I want to ask you what president in our history, and I study a lot of history. And you know, what where where have we seen something like we've seen with President Trump with what they're doing to him? You're blaming him for for these scums like Garland going after him. No, well, first I, what, of all, what are we getting on President Trump about? So, first of all, I completely agree with you that his tenure so as president. On? Hold on, hold on, Doug. Let me let me explain. I completely agree with you. That nobody who has been a president in the history of this country, to my knowledge at least, has faced this kind of legal thing after legal thing after legal thing when he was president of the United States. And he's continued to have some of these issues. But you know what? I, call, I, I have to say, I call Doug, Doug um, it, here's the thing. When you have, and I don't know what those documents contain, and he may have well been within his rights to to say, you know what, these documents were, were uh, um, declassified by me when I was president of the United States. May well be, be totally within his rights. But there were documents, there were Mar-a-Lago, maybe there's some sort of justification there, I don't know. As for 2020, he did make a phone call he never should have done to the Secretary of State of, of Georgia. Uh, we did have something unprecedented on his watch in terms of January 6th and so forth. I'm not saying that what the Democrats oh, did, oh, oh. but no, I'm saying this in the context what? of his candidacy for president of the United States, that he is bringing this upon himself as a candidate for president they're, and dragging they, everybody no. else down, Doug. They're, bring, they're bringing it on him. And that's yep. They want good All right. All right, Doug. Look. Yes, I don't disagree that you have people who are in Department of Justice going after President Trump, rightly or wrongly. But what is in his hands? He knows this is going to happen. And what does he do? He announces a run for President of the United States. 
and it, as in his candidacy for president, is going to bring all the baggage of multiple legal issues. It's not like he didn't have all of this in front of him when he made that decision. The left going after him is not in his control. But whether or not he runs or says there are other good candidates who will be viable, whether or not he has any impact on others in the ticket in 2024 or even right now in Georgia, that's in his hands, isn't it? No, that is not justifying anything that is going on legally, whether it's appropriate or not. Yes, he's been targeted, of course. But that's a separate issue from knowing when you announce a run for president. It is like Tina Peters knowing what she did in the the spring in, in May of 2021. And then deciding to run for Secretary of State anyway. And then getting indicted, so on and so forth. And I mean what she did as, as far as what she'd admitted to doing in that election security breach and the identity theft issue. And then there's the stuff that she's accused of that she hasn't admitted to. The point is, if you're running for office and you know things that you are accused of doing that you're dealing with, That's on you. The fallout is on you for the rest of the ticket, for everything else. Politics ain't beanbag and politics ain't fair. That's the reality. Politics is not fair. Trump, of all people, knows that. The left certainly isn't fair. We know this. He knows this. I mean, it, you think about Georgia and what's going on in Georgia. In his announcement speech on Tuesday, President Trump said this, touting Herschel Walker. Despite the outcome in the Senate, we cannot lose hope. And we must all work very hard for a gentleman and a great person named Herschel Walker, a fabulous human being who loves our country and will be a great United States Senator Herschel Walker, get out and vote for Herschel, and he deserves it. He was an incredible athlete. He'll be an even better senator. Get out and vote for Herschel so Walker. So already, Raphael Warnock, and look, I'm glad he's doing that instead of discouraging Republicans from voting, as basically happened in January 2021 of last year. When we had the previous two runoffs that were on the ballot, Senate runoffs, but it, the, but Raphael Warnock's campaign is now running an ad playing most of that, and then he says that he approves this message, and it shows a picture of Wa- Walker and Trump shaking hands, and it says, "Stop Donald Trump, stop Herschel Walker." I bring this up simply because it goes to. The hot potato nature of Donald Trump, him announcing for president, puts Georgia in greater risk because, as we have seen across the country, it is very difficult, has been very difficult for Trump-backed candidates. One analysis, 
based on House district results, shows that overall Trump's preferred primary candidates underperformed other GOP candidates by about five percentage points. And we saw this bear out as well in U.S. Senate races. Herschel Walker in the Senate race underperformed Brian Kemp by eight points. Significant margin. Pennsylvania, Dr. Oz lost by four or five points. Just as a couple examples. So that ad gets to be run. And look, I'm not a Chris Wallace fan, but this is interesting how he took away from that. Many in the Republican Party and Democrats believe that um, the former president is, a, is an albatross uh, at this point around at least Herschel Walker and maybe the party. Well, they sure do. Uh, good morning, guys. Good morning. It, it's quite astonishing because in no way is it an attack on Trump. In no way is it an attack on Herschel Walker. It is just playing Trump's endorsement of, of Walker. And clearly the Warnock campaign feels this is, a, as you say, an albatross. This is a liability for Walker, not a plus. And, and you know, the Republicans had pleaded with the former president not to announce before the December 6th runoff because they didn't want this to be in any way uh, a referendum on on Trump. The president, of course, ignored that. And remember, Georgia is a state where the governor, Brian Kemp, was just elected after in the Republican primary beating a Trump election denier. And Brad Raffensperger, the secretary of state, was just elected after in the Republican primary beating a Trump election denier. So clearly, uh, the Democrats think that uh, Donald Trump uh, is a liability in Georgia, not a plot. That's the point to get at, is that the the Democrats view Trump as a liability because they look at the races across the country and see that. And then you now have this legal issue. And you know what's the biggest thing that voters who aren't diehard Trump Republicans or maybe Republicans more broadly will be looking at with Trump? They'll be saying, are we going to constantly be getting these legal issues? Is this going to now? Maybe that is what the left is intending to do. That's entirely plausible. But that's really beside the point in terms of the potential in 2024 and what will come in that race. And in Georgia in particular, I could see Georgia voters saying, you know what? Yeah, we, we, we can't have Republicans in charge because there's going to be the constant legal distractions, etc. And... The, the, the sense of deep divisions and all of this that comes with at least the perception of Donald Trump. I, I know what I'm saying is not pleasant, certainly frustrating. And as a two-time Trump voter who looks at his presidency and says he did a damn good job on the whole, I don't like saying it. I wish he won in 2020. I wish he remained president, not Joe Biden. But now we have to look ahead, and it's not just looking ahead to 2024. It's looking at the next two years and knowing you have a candidate for president who everybody's going to look at as the front runner right away, who's already announced a bid for president and is going to have all of this baggage that he brings to Herschel Walker and then brings in to the coming two years. Just keep that in mind. I'll be back tomorrow morning.
6 a.m., 6 to 9. Josh Hammer, editor, opinion editor of Newsweek, joins me. We'll get perspective from Dick Wadhams as well. We will take your calls, 303-696-1971. See you tomorrow morning, dark and early, 6 a.m. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger. Thanks to Stefan Tubbs. Get well, brother. See you Monday. And as always, may God bless America. Have a great night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 